0: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. You're listening to the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And because you're listening to the show, your Memorial Day weekend is off to an absolutely brilliant start. In fact, it's it's possible that this could be probably the highlight in, in your life to this point, as far as Memorial Day weekends go, because you're starting it absolutely on the right foot. So... On the show today, we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to cover to make sure that you're having the best Memorial Day possible. And in fact, to do that, seriously, we're going to be taking the last half of the show and devoting it to talking about Memorial Day, what it stands for, what it's really all about. It's not the unofficial kickoff to summer like we hear about all the time. Yes, there's that element to it, and that's an important element But there's a bigger, more important point, and we want to talk about that and give the day its due. And to do that, we're going to be in the studio. I'm very excited about this. We'll be in the studio with retired U.S. Navy chaplain Beth Stalinga talking about Memorial Day, what it means to her, what it means to the men and women who she served with. So that'll be great. And we'll also be devoting some time to talking about the historical very first Decoration Day And there's a day that we all think, or at least generally point to, as the first decoration day that occurred in 1868. But some recently, you know, 1990s or so, recently unearthed historical evidence suggests that there was an earlier day that predated that 1868 date by three years. So we're going to be talking about that story. It's interesting, and not a lot of people are aware of it. You'll you'll have something to talk about at the picnics today if you hang around and catch that last segment. Right now, let's talk about fencing. I've got a fence, or at least I used to have a fence in the backyard, and the kids ran into it a couple years ago. I really honestly don't have the full story about what happened. I came home, and the fence was laying on the ground in the backyard, and I heard a number of uh, excuses or uh, explanations that centered around somebody kicked a soccer ball into it, maybe somebody ran into it. It was hard to tell. They couldn't tell exactly what happened, And so I don't really know. But bottom line, the fence came down. It turned out the posts were rotting in the ground, and it just snapped right off. So I've got to repair it. and I can't repair it, so I've got to replace it. Now, I've been doing some other work around the house in that area, and so I haven't had to worry about that fence for a year or two. Now it's time to get a new fence up. And I could consider metal fencing, but I decided that's not where I want to go. So now I'm weighing vinyl fencing versus wood fencing. And if you're in the similar boat or I'm sure you're not in the similar boat, most people don't have kids who've knocked their fence down, but if you've got, you know, a fence that you're thinking about putting up, maybe you're debating vinyl or wood, let's talk about the pros and cons. Now, maintenance. Let's start with that as a main key. On the upside, the pros for vinyl fencing. There's going to be no chipping, no peeling, No fading. Now, repainting or restaining a fence is absolutely not fun. I completely get that. I sell the products that we use to do that, but I know that it's zero fun. There's a lot of surface area that you've got to deal with. And whether you're putting product on or even just prepping the surface, scraping paint off, it's just so many nooks and crannies to get into. It's not fun at all. So that's a definite pro. Vinyl fences don't do that. They just get dirty and you can clean them. And usually it's just a soft gentle detergent and water. If you've got a more stubborn stain, there's products like Joe Max or Challenger or Spray Nine. We we carry all of those and that would work for those things. So really that's a pretty big upside. On the downside, I'm really not sure there is one here when it comes to maintenance. I've read and I've heard a few people talk about how vinyl fences tend to accumulate mold, algae, and mildew faster than other materials, especially around sprinklers. And so they'll need more washing than other surfaces. But I really can't imagine that around a sprinkler it's going to have more mold or mildew or algae than a wood fence would. And I certainly think it's going to wash up better. So right there, we've got a big, big win for vinyl. Durability, let's talk about that. On the upside, vinyl fencing... It's not going to crack. It's not going to splinter like wood. It's a high-quality material that can last 20 to 30 years, depending on what you buy. It's resistant to water damage because it's vinyl. It's resistant to fire, and termites don't care about it. So all of that's really good. On the downside, vinyl can struggle with weather fluctuations. You know, it expands. It contracts with temperature and humidity changes, and that can lead to the material becoming somewhat brittle, which could lead to breaks and cracks from impact, maybe a soccer ball or something like that like that but i think a lot of things are going to have to align for that to become a real issue so in my scoring i've got sprinklers right near this fence and the fact that vinyl is water resistant i really think vinyl is going to get the ding the point on this one so it's vinyl two wood nothing all right let's talk about cost now money comes into to play here and i'm cheap on the plus side vinyl fences are going to last way longer with less work, which means less paint, less stain, less repairs, things like that. So I think we can make the argument that the value makes them worth that initial expense. But on the downside, that initial extra expense can be pretty significant, depending on the style and so on. The price can really outdistance wood or other materials. And also, this is important, it's not as easy to repair vinyl fencing if damage should occur. In a wood, you can just replace a plank or two with vinyl you might have to actually replace full sections. So that one's a pretty big downside, and I think in my scoring, as I'm weighing these two choices, wood or vinyl, wood's going to get the point when it comes to cost. So now we're at two to one. Let's talk about design on the upside. Vinyl fencing has a lot of styles and a wide variety of colors available, some that even look like painted wood. However, once it's installed, the color is what it is. There's no changing it. So that kind of leads us to the downside. Even with all of those options, when you're talking about vinyl fencing, you're still limited compared to wood. With wood, you can do pretty much anything you want, and you can stain or paint it in any color, and you can change that color whenever you want to. So wood's going to get the point on that one. So we're at two to two. How about environmental impact? Well, on the upside, vinyl lasts for years and years. On the downside, and i got to kind of go fast here, on the downside, it doesn't easily degrade, even when it's past its life cycle. So it is what it is. It's going to stay. It can be recycled, though, and most recycling centers will accept it. So for me, that's kind of a toss-up. I'm not sure who gets the point on that one. Talking about DIY installation, both types of fences, wood or vinyl, could be installed by a DIY, or you just got to make sure you ask your questions, do your research, get the right tools and all of that stuff. So bottom line, final thoughts, if you're staying on your property for a long time, and if you've got the budget, and you can live with the basic color options that are given, vinyl fencing is a long term solution that's really low maintenance. I really like that. If you're moving, if you're on a budget, if you want to change colors often, then wood fencing might be a way to go. Anyway, there's a quick look at fencing. Vinyl versus wood gives you some information to work on. Now, All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we're back, we'll be in the studio with a representative from AllPro to talk about some new products that you're going to be seeing on the shelves at RepcoLite. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. And we're back. You're listening to the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And right now, we're in the studio with Mike Resch, Business Development Manager from All Pro. Mike? Thanks for being here. Thank you. All Pro. Let's just jump right into it. What in the world is that? You know, we've got our contractors out there listening, and I'm, I'm sure a number of them are familiar with the brand. Maybe some DIYers are familiar with the brand, but a lot of us probably aren't. So why don't we start with a little bit about All Pro, and then we'll just kind of transition into why we're even talking about it great
1: great that's an easy one for me all pro is a buying group for the independent paint channel there's lumber companies involved in many hardware stores so they belong to the group uh, which uh, allows them to get better deals better pricing on their products to compete against those big box stores out there that they all try to compete against
0: okay so a buying group bottom line the most important part better pricing all of that what products are we talking about here?
1: Gosh, you're talking about so many—from from drop cloths, the paint the rollers. There's, it goes on and on. Anything that a painting contractor or a consumer needs, it's probably under a, an All Pro label.
0: Now, RepcoLite, Dan, we have not been an All Pro correct member. Right, this, this is, is new just brand
2: us. new for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Um, the stores on the east side of the state have been, and that's what introduced us to All Pro. It has a lot of benefits to it. There's been other retailers in the area that have carried it in the past and continue to. It's not available in big box stores, as Mike alluded to.
0: It's only available at independent paint stores. So it's basically, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it all entirely. It's private labeled stuff. I mean, it's your label. It's the all pro label. And we're talking roller covers, brushes, all of those things are going to be available on our shelves. Correct. As we yes. make this transition, it's not going to be instant for the West Side stores. It's going to take a little bit of time to transition. But I guess the the cool thing for contractors who have previously used it or are familiar with those that brand, it's going to be something that we've got available coming up soon. But for the regular people, why why, why does this even matter?
1: Well, I guess you could say that uh, if you're supporting the independent channel, the Opro pro label is a way of doing this. Uh, the, the the dealers, uh, spec- specifically uh, RepcoLite, um, will have it on their shelves and you're supporting them and, and they uh, are selling a high-end, high-quality, approved product by the contractor, so therefore it's also good for the consumer.
0: Okay, so approved by the contractors. What are you saying exactly? I mean, we talked about this before we went on air, and I think it's a really interesting point. You're talking about how if... A contractor will like this product and use this product, that means it's good for everybody because they're they're making their living on this. Right. And 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 they really don't have a lot of patience, right, Dan? They're we, very discerning and right. picky, they don't, I guess yeah. would be a negative way to say it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, yeah. Picky and I I think they don't have a lot of patience when it comes to things that aren't working the way that they want Absolutely. them to work. And and who would have right. patience for that when your your job is on the line and that's what you're saying. You're these products are put together for that crowd. Right,
1: right. And it was interesting, those, those uh, customers that were pretty loyal to that so called brand name that might be out there during the pandemic, which was uh, unfortunate. But what happened is that the contractors that were loyal to those brands couldn't get them. All of a sudden, they had to, by default, try the All Pro brand, and now they're a loyal user of the product because they found it is the same product, um, it's equal or better in some cases.
2: Yeah, Very high quality items. This isn't about selling something cheap. This is about
0: value. So you mentioned it's the same item, and we know that's not completely all the way across the board the case, but in, in a lot of instances- the products that we've carried because you're—they're manufactured by companies like Wooster and yes, all of these Zinser. other companies that we're yep. familiar
1: Zinser, with. Zincor, Rustolium—you know the high-branded products that are out there. Um, some companies uh, that that are doing the private label you may never never even heard of before. Uh, such as like Tower. Tower's a high-end caulk line that people have that it's available under an all-pro label. And once they try that product, they become very loyal to it because they find it's a a, a value, it's consistent, and it's an easy product to use and and to get from their dealer.
0: So, Dan, tower sealants, that's what we're talking about? The caulk, yes. Right. Now, we carry that as tower sealants. Right. So when we pick up and move that through, that potentially could transition to an All-Pro label, That's but possible. the product itself would stay the
2: same, right?: Correct. What's inside the cock tube would be nearly identical, if not identical, to what would be what we'd had previously in the tower brand.: All right.
0: So if you start to see some of those products shifting on the shelves, you know, before you freak out, ask some questions because there's a very good chance that what you're getting is certainly not going to be lesser in value lesser in quality and all of that but it might even be exactly the same thing correct at a, same, at a price saving at a price savings so right. that's what's really exciting that's one of the exciting things is the the ability to potentially bring some prices down and yet still provide the same quality correct to everybody out there so a, as we head into an economy that you know, I guess you never know exactly what you're going to get, but all signs seem to point to no on (laughs) this one, right? The magic eight ball kind of a thing. All signs point to no. This economy seems a little tight. It's tightening. It's always good to find ways to save money and still get something really good and quality that you can work with because we talk about it all the time, specifically when we're talking about applicators, which are some of the things we've covered in this conversation brushes rollers and things like that we've talked about it on the show here plenty of times everywhere i go when i talk to homeowners and diyers i want to make the case that you can buy the best paint in the world but if you're buying an inexpensive really cheap poor quality low quality applicator to save a few bucks here and there that that applicator is what controls really largely how that finish looks on the walls and that can, you know, that goes beyond just
2: the applicator, you know, preparation tools, same thing, sandpaper, mm-hmm. you know,
0: tape. So wanting to save money is good, ending up with something that's about the same value, the same quality and all of that, and still saving the money. That's now great. that That's where we want to be, and that's what we're excited about with All Pro. Now, one of the other things that we're really excited about is the fact that, The offerings are so expansive. Like, what do you got? I mean, you can't go through a list of what you got, but I mean, it's wide-ranging stuff. There's 40 manufacturers that do a private label for us. So when you
1: boil that down, it could be solvents. It could be, as Dan said, tape. Applicators, of course, are the biggest part of any contractor and homeowner's use. All of those uh, are available under a private label, and made by the top-quality type companies that are out there. Paint sprayers, even. Yeah, Greco. Yeah. Greco makes our paint sprayers.
0: So we're excited to see just the catalog, I think. I can imagine flipping through the catalog and getting excited about new offerings, things that we could potentially bring in. Just having the range, a little more range. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. that's really fun. Anything else that you think... Appeals should appeal to the contractor to the, or the, the consumer. Because pretty we, much anybody, we're talking to everybody. All
1: right. So for the contractors, uh, go into one of the stores and check out the new pant line that we have. The pants and shorts. They're they're made in London. That's funny style that we're not used to seeing here in the U.S. Buttons all the way up to your neck. <laughs> right? <laughs> not so much, but there there are close to twenty pockets in these pair of pants. Uh, places for knee pads and there's uh, the fabrics completely different. The places light. for
0: knee pads. Places for knee pads. What do you mean?
1: On the knees. There's a spot. There's like a pocket that you would literally put a foam cushion in there. So when you okay. bend down on your knees, you have a, a softer touch to the knees, to the ground. All right.
3: And shirts they come in Do we, shorts as well. Oh, we we as
0: don't you. have shirts though. Like I'm thinking like with like Maybe some sort of well f- like foam inserts for mus- muscles. and <laughs> oh, Give yourself you know, a six make packs. myself look really toned, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nothing like that. But I could I could You could have really muscular knees. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm shooting for. Right. God, he's little and he looks out of shape, but his knees. Man, I bet he could crush tin cans with those. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going. Yeah. So the pants, though, you're saying those are completely unique.
1: They're unique to the U- in the U.S. We're not used to seeing them, but the All Pro members, and Dan and, and uh, Repkulay is a member of our group, they're available through the group, and uh, we have an exclusive from in,
0: on the United States. Now, you mentioned contractors, but they're not, they're not exclusive. We're not going oh, no. to card you. Right. Do you have a contractor card? Otherwise, you, you can't buy the painter pants. Stuff, right. no. Yeah. they shorts. How many? How many pockets do you get in the shorts? Uh, a few
1: less than the pants. Yeah, I would shorts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All just white though.
2: White? No, they're white well, and gray. They're, they have a two-tone, it's two-tone tone, kind of a patchy look. Like right. uh, It's a kind of.
0: It's a very European look. All right. It's interesting, and and they're very functional. All right, so our contractors will start to see those. We've got those in some of our West Side stores. Yep, they're available for order. Okay, so anywhere. Within two days, we we can
2: get whatever size you need.
0: All right, so how about for the DIYers? Is there anything specific? that might really pique their interest? Sure,
1: uh, so we have a new masonry waterproofer. Um, it's uh, a waterborne type product. It's good for the interior and exterior waterproofing of, the, of your home. If you're looking for a smooth finish for your concrete walls in the
0: basement, this Not for perfect. floors. Not for the floors. Right? Not for floors. And I believe if it's like a lot of these other products, it's got to go on an uncoated, unpainted wall, right? Like Yes.
1: Un- unfinished. Unfinished. Or, yeah. So can, it's got to be, well, I guess you can say, virgin-type concrete. Yeah. So there's another product, too. It's, it's a, it's a heavy-duty paver and concrete sealer. So that's a clear finish. It's an acrylic. And it's good for driveways and around the pool and uh, things like that.
2: All right. And all waterborne. All waterborne, and, and to me that gives a little example of what Allpro is about. It's not just brushes and rollers and painters' pants.
0: It's coatings. It's pretty much everything. If you are listening and you're thinking, okay, that that does intrigue me a little bit, or I wonder about, you know, this kind of coating or that kind of coating or this kind of tool, just stop out at any Repco Lite store and start the conversation, and yeah, we'll get you some info. Mike, we're going to release you to the wild and let you do what you got to do for the rest of the day. But thanks so much for stopping here and hanging out with us. I appreciate
1: the time. Thanks for the the opportunity.
0: Thanks, Mike. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Eastside listeners, you're going to get a Repcolite Rewind. West Michigan listeners, you're going to get news and weather at the bottom of the hour. And then when we all get back together, we'll be in the studio with retired U.S. Navy chaplain, Beth Stalinga, talking about Memorial Day, what it means to her, what it means to the men and women she served with. You're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. we're back you're listening to the RepcoLite home improvement show i'm dan hansen and i'm in the studio with dan altina and beth stallinga chaplain u.s navy retired beth thanks for being here
3: thank you for having me
0: now i think this is kind of fun we're gonna jump into something completely different than what we want to talk about in the end of this segment we're gonna we're gonna to get to good stuff but we're gonna start with dan this is your friend beth that you talked about last week on the show with the hose Oh right! right. That, you no. have a garden hose that Dan really, really wants. I do. Yeah, yeah. I was very jealous when I saw your garden hose. Yeah, and, that, a- and, and, and... I'm jealous
3: of your garden hose.
0: <laughs> really, because he yeah. hates his garden hose. <laughs> anyway, we we did a whole segment last week, and Dan talked about how you've got this new hose, this polymer hybrid. Yeah, and it hose. doesn't kink, and it just yeah is flexible, and mm-hmm. yeah. So Dan loves it. He's going to buy one. Then he's okay. going to report back to us All right. how much he likes it. But you you didn't like yours as much. No,
3: I do like it. But uh, Dan, being who he is, he the way he has their system set up at home, everything is very efficient and the water sources are where you need them. And uh, Oh,
0: so you're jealous of his system. Yes. He's jealous of the hose itself. Yeah, there right. we go. That's anyway, I thought that was kind of funny that... Two weeks in a row, we're talking about Beth. (laughs) And you have not listened to the show. You mentioned that right in the beginning. So you'll have to tune in now that you've actually, you've been mentioned.
3: Yeah. All We've
0: we've covered you already. All right. So let's talk about you now. And what we want to get to is is Memorial Day and talking about that from the perspective of somebody who's been in the military and served. And first off, uh, your title, you're a chaplain. Correct. But a captain. And I wasn't supposed to mention the captain part i'm i'm confused because oh, you, know, you no, mentioned how does how does that work if you get called captain by your co
3: right so the joke is typically that when your commanding officer uh says captain or lieutenant or uh commander come here it's usually like when your mom uses your full, <laughs> yeah. full name right
0: daniel Jean Hansen. Yes. hanson yes <laughs> What have you done? Uh, right. Yeah.
3: So I think chaplain is a term of endearment, typically. Chaps is what they usually say in the Navy. I think the Army says chappy. So you you hope that you're um, called chaplain by <laughs> your rank.
0: Gotcha. So that's what I went with. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. So let's talk about your experience. How long were you in the military? Where did you go? What did you all do?
3: Um, I just retired on October 1st of last year, and I was in for about 22 years. The I think the most interesting thing is the fact that I went through what's referred to as um, Officer Candidate School or Officer Development uh, the summer of 2001. So I joined in oh, the summer right of 2001.
2: right before
3: 9/11. Correct. Having no idea what I had just signed up for. And I actually reported to my first duty station on September 11, 2001.
0: Oh, my goodness. Wow. So what was going through your head as all of that was unfolding?
3: So I got up that morning, and I was staying in a motel because I still hadn't checked into the command, And I went to the lobby to get a cup of coffee, and the TV was on, and that was my first exposure to what had just happened. Wow. Uh, And it was in California. So my first duty station was with the Marines in 29 Palms, California. And I reported to duty that—I actually called and said, should I still come in? And they did have me come in. And almost immediately after that, because of the time lag— uh, they did close the base down uh, so nobody could get in or off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's interesting that my orders are actually stamped on September 12th because oh, because everything, uh, you know, sort of went by the wayside as folks' eyes were glued to the Yeah, what a day that was. Trying to figure out what wow. was going on. So and then I say and it never slowed down. <sighs> so it was sort of a, a just a speed race from then until basically the day I retired.
0: So have you been all over the place? Where have you gone to serve?
3: So um, first duty station was 29 Palms, but I was part of um, the headquarters battalion, which was a non-deployable unit, but 7th Marines are stationed there at 29 Palms. So knew a lot of folks who were deploying when things started ramping up for Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, I myself deployed to Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, and then aboard a ship to the Persian Gulf. Uh, but I've been stationed all over the world, so um, wow. Italy, D.C., California, South Carolina—
2: most recently Great Lakes Naval Station Great
3: Lakes Naval Station the Navy's only boot camp um, uh, but then my last assignment was the u.s Third Fleet so right. which is headquartered in California but is responsible for all of the ships on the west coast to Hawaii all
0: right yeah. so what do you do as a chaplain you know what kind of things cover you know do you have to cover
3: um, we were talking a little bit Previously about, you know, people would ask me what a typical day as a chaplain looks like, and there is really no such thing as a typical day um, because so much of it, in some respects, can be reacting to the most immediate crisis. Sure, But typically, um, the idea is that constitutionally, service members have the same rights and responsibilities as regards religion, so the constitution guarantees the free exercise, well, that can be very difficult to do in a deployment or expeditionary setting. So um, how are service members supposed to be able to practice their religion while on active duty? And it's by having chaplains who go with them wherever they go. So on a Sunday, you might find me in the chapel on a ship uh, doing a service uh, out in the field with the Marines doing a service. But that, ironically, is probably, was probably the smallest part of what I did. Well, not the least important, certainly didn't take up the most time because uh, the other core capabilities are provide, and that means, you know, I'm an ordained minister in a Protestant denomination, but the vast majority of Marines and sailors aren't going to be f- from my particular background. Sure. That makes sense. So then I need to be able to find a clergy person who can meet their religious requirements. So that might mean, say, when I was stationed aboard the USS New Orleans, if there was a Catholic priest or a Greek Orthodox priest in the strike group arranging for what we would call a holy helo to bring them aboard the ship. Preferably on a Sunday, but sometimes anytime yep, there was yep. another ship close enough to have somebody be heloed over, and they'd come over and do divine services for their personnel. All right. um, so, so
0: all kinds of all things. All kinds
3: of things, yeah. We're
0: talking with Beth Stalinga, chaplain, U.S. Navy, retired. And we're talking about, well, right now so far, you know where you've come from, Beth, and, and a lot of the things you've seen. I'm sure we're just barely even scratching the surface. What we wanted to get into was a little bit about Memorial Day. You know, we're heading into that big weekend. Everybody's excited to be out grilling and stuff like that. And there's so much more to the day. I mean, obviously so much more. And we wanted to hit some of that here on the show. So from your perspective in the military, how do you approach, what do you think of when it comes to Memorial Day?
3: So I think for active duty and even a lot of veterans, Memorial Day is not something that... uh, registers as having anything to do with us. Uh, And I think when we were talking previously, I talked about the fact that I'll have a lot of friends who will post on their Facebook wall the distinction between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. And Memorial Day is very much, you know, and only for those who died while on active duty, whereas Veterans Day, obviously, is for anybody who served. Uh, And so I think there can sort of be a sense of – for some folks, um, certainly for those who've lost friends in service, there's a, a portion of, of some guilt, right, that you survived and friends did not um, – And just trying to redirect people's attention back to the real reason for the day, which is, again, those who died while serving their country as opposed to those who simply served. Well, I think that's
0: great information because a lot of us, you know, I'm included in that. I feel very torn. I'm not sure what to do, you know, whether it's social media or whatever. I'm going to throw something out there. I don't want to. You know, neglect veterans if, you know, because I appreciate the service. I mean, without the service of of all these people, we don't have what we have. And so you don't want to neglect them, but yet you want to do the right thing. And what you're saying is from a military point of view, career military person, Mm -hmm. let's let Memorial Day be for those who fell during active service.
3: As as you've often seen, uh, those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Others sacrificed some, they sacrificed all.
0: Now, that completely sums it all up. Beth, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it all up?
3: When I think about Memorial Day, and, you know, a lot of this is from personal experience, Uh, What I think can get lost is the sort of intergenerational nature of Memorial Day. Like we think specifically of the service member who died that may have been in combat, that may have been in a training exercise. And I think a lot of your listeners would be surprised um, just how dangerous training is, right? So as a chaplain, I responded as many times in my career to Uh, death and injury in a training exercise in terms of family notification, as I did in combat situations. Um, Yeah, you'll see occasionally, you know, a helicopter will go down in North Carolina, that type of thing. Um, So, you know, just preparing to be ready requires a tremendous amount of danger. And I think... um, Uh, The civilian perspective is danger is really in the combat zone. And while that's completely true, just getting ready uh, is inherently risky. So all of which to say getting back to my original thought about the intergenerationality of Memorial Day, we think of the service member who died, but that service member is connected to mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and spouses and perhaps most importantly, children. And so, you know, The friends of mine who died while on active duty, their children are 8 or 17 or 22, and those are folks that I think maybe Memorial Day is a very quiet day for them, and I think they maybe get lost in the commemoration. Uh, None of them would ask for your pity, but I would ask for your empathy when you think about, you know, we get a little bit excited about... um, Appliance and car sales and um, the big
0: paint sale,
3: (laughs) the big paint sale and and brats on the grill. And all of those things are, you know, in in the largest picture, things we get to enjoy because of our freedoms. But in the in the smallest picture, there are children and spouses and moms and dads for whom that service member who died is This is a tender day for them.
0: All right. Anything practical in the last little bit that we've got for those of us sitting here wondering what we can do?
3: So there are um, organizations um, throughout the country called – it's Gold Star Families. So Gold Star Families are anybody who lost a family member on active duty and – you could probably Google in your community whether there are any gold star families. Again, most people are very private with their grief and their mourning, but you know, just an awareness uh, and a sensitivity to that.
0: I think that yeah, that doesn't hurt us at all. Even if that's all we do is mm-hmm. just realize, oh, those people, these people, gave up so much, and just being aware and, yeah. like you said, some yeah. empathy, some prayers, some yeah. thoughts.
3: Absolutely.
0: All of that's great.
3: Yeah, in the midst of all our celebrating, just, you know, maybe a moment to consider that there are folks who are still grieving.
0: That is such a good reminder for all of us to keep in the front of our minds as we're out doing all the things that we're doing this holiday weekend. Beth, we're going to let you go and do what you're going to do for the rest of the day. We thank you for your right. service and everything you've given for for the country so we can have the freedoms that we have.
3: Thank you. It's my pleasure and my honor. Thank you.
0: Now, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about the very first Decoration Day, and it's probably not the one that you're thinking of. That's all just ahead. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And, Dan, we have monumental work to do right now. We have to get the entire history of the, the very first Decoration Day crammed into about six minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's what everybody wants on a Saturday morning. It's me talking fast. A speed lesson. Yeah, and, well, I don't have any other way to do it. This is what you're going to get, because it's such a great story. Now, here's the deal. First Decoration Day. We think we know when Decoration Day or Memorial Day, kind of those are the started. same things. We think we know where they when they started. Traditionally, mm-hmm. we think it was 1868, but there's evidence- that it predates that by about three years. And this is recent evidence from the 90s that we found. So the Civil War begins April 12, 1861, when Fort Sumter is attacked in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, the Civil War was massive amounts of American lives lost. Right. You know, 620,000 Americans lost their lives in the Civil War alone. And for perspective, 606,000 lives, American lives were lost in all other wars combined through Korea. Basically everybody in the country was impacted in one way or another. Right. You know, so everybody knew somebody everybody knew somebody. Or so people. a lot of loss, a lot of stuff to work through. Yeah. All of that started, like we said, in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, traditionally, Decoration Day, thought to start May 30, 1868, at the suggestion of a general, John Logan, who called for a nationwide day of remembrance. And the reason for that is you know not just it's a nice thing to think of all these lost lives and all the soldiers who lost their lives it was critical for the country to start to heal itself right was to address this this massive loss and to try to work their way through that so this nationwide day is is thought up and called for However, while researching a book on the Civil War, author David Blight is given a couple of boxes. I forget which school he was at. One of the major colleges that we would know the name. I should have looked it up, but forgot. But he was given the opportunity to look through a couple of crates of information that had never been sorted through from Union soldiers and stuff like that. So he's writing this book and he's super excited to go through this box. And as he's digging, he finds this little folder and he pulls it out and handwritten across the little tab is the first decoration day. So he's all excited. He opens it up and he finds inside a handwritten narrative from a union veteran that describes the country's first decoration day. And it says that it happened in the spring of 1865, which predates three years. At yeah. But, yeah. Three years, the day that we traditionally think of. And interestingly enough, it takes place about six miles away from Fort Sumter at the Washington race course in what is now Hampton Park in Charleston, South Carolina. So he starts digging into it a little more, and there's not a lot of historical support. He's got a couple of eyewitness reports, and he's got some newspaper articles that reference it. So it happened, but there's just not a lot of existing info about it. But here's what he found. The Washington Racecourse and Jockey Club in South Carolina, that's where it was all started. That was a super fancy race course, right? So everybody who was anybody in South Carolina, Charleston area, they'd come there for the horse racing. It was a social scene. Super cool. Amazing. Everybody's there. Well, during the Civil War, they shut that down and then turn it into a prison camp to house captured Union soldiers. And the conditions there were absolutely horrific. And over time, 257 Union soldiers died there of exposure, disease, things like that. And they were just buried around the racecourse in unmarked mass graves. So that happens during the war, the war unfolds, and then February 18 1865, just just shy of the end of the Civil War, right near the end, the Union soldiers finally march into and take Charleston once again after a long siege. They take it over and effectively the war, you know, soon after that comes to a close. Basically the war wraps up on April 9 of 1865 and about a week after that Many former slaves, so freed slaves, choose to spend a couple of weeks in South Carolina. The people in South Carolina all gather. They are in Charleston. They spend a couple of weeks carefully exhuming the bodies of the Union troops from the mass grave at that race course. And then they give each soldier a proper burial they construct a fence around you know the cemetery that they created and they've got a little archway that reads the martyrs of the racecourse mm-hmm. so they go and put all of that together and then about two weeks later on may one of that same year this is what um the author found a david blight found In this folder describing this event, May 1 of that same year, about 10,000 people, many of whom were freed slaves, came and held a parade on the slaveholders' race course, marching around, carrying flowers, singing songs. There were children's choirs. They were singing, We'll Rally Around the Flag. They were singing the Star Spangled Banner, spirituals. The Bible was read. Basically, people marched to the little cemetery that they created decorated all the graves with flowers and wreaths and things like that and then spent the whole day having picnics listening to speeches and basically experiencing their newly won freedom so really when we look at it it's the heart and core of what memorial day is and it happened about three years earlier than when we think it did and this is mostly lost to history this this basically lost to history so now you know and you can take that information to the people at the picnics or wherever you go today. Share it with your friends this weekend. All right. That's all the time we've got. We're going to have to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. One quick note, all of our stores are going to be closed on Monday, May 29, in honor of Memorial Day. But we'll be back at it on Tuesday morning. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Dan Hanson. And I'm Dan Altina. Thanks for listening.